You're listening to the Meaningful Riches Podcast, the lifestyle and personal development podcast created to help you discover and redefine the true meaning of wealth in your life. I'm your host, Hebron Verma. Enjoy the show. What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode this week, and I am really looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today because this week's episode is all about marriage, relationships, and also the thing we're all scared of, divorce. So to help talk about this today, I'm joined with a guest that I think will provide a pretty unique perspective on this topic, Leslie Montanil. Leslie is an author and divorce attorney and relationship expert with a 30-year career in matrimonial law and her own decades-long marriage. She's been recognized as a top 10 attorney and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Bustle Magazine, and Thrive Global, just to name a few. Welcome, Leslie. I'm super excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. Yeah, of course. So let's go ahead and kick it off by first talking about how you got into the world of matrimonial law to begin with. I mean, you don't really hear too many people saying that they want to become divorce attorneys. So what led you down that path? Well, I don't know if anyone believes in accidents or fate, but um, I really fell into matrimonial law when I learned that I passed the bar and was visiting family in California. and my uncle made me an offer I couldn't refuse to stay rent-free in his beach house. So I took a stack of resumes and picked out the buildings I wanted to work in because back then, you know, you could walk into buildings and knock on doors, which is what I did, and introduced myself as a newly admitted New York attorney, you know, moving to California. And um, by the time I got home, I had six phone calls, and I turned around and went back to visit some of the firms and I walked into one firm and it was a sole practitioner. And what did he do? Matrimonial law. Knowing that I was not a blue suit type of girl and I like to think outside the box, I took my chances on the sole practitioner knowing that I would learn everything I needed to know about that area of the law and wouldn't get stuck like in a law library doing research in a bigger firm. California is a very interesting place, and the people I met were super interesting um, and needed a lot of help. I know this sounds odd to say, but I loved it. I didn't love that people were breaking up. I didn't love that like kids were getting caught in the middle, but I loved the feeling of the human connection that somehow I was helping to make a difference in the lives of the people that walked through the door you know, and and maybe giving them hope for a brighter future because they felt they had somebody on their side. Um, And although I did try and step away from matrimonial law, it just never really happened. It always kind of just sucked me right back in um, because I would get phone calls. And um, I, I guess I developed some sort of a reputation of being a very compassionate divorce lawyer. You know, which most people don't think exists. We only hear the, we don't hear the good, we just hear the bad and the very, very ugly. Yeah, for sure. Also, I mean, let's be honest, marriage really isn't as popular as it used to be, especially with people my age, millennials, and I'm sure you've been able to see kind of that trend in your 30-year career as well. It seems that, you know, fewer and fewer people are getting married or the percentage of people that do end up getting married, half of them or more than half of them end up getting divorced. So 
where do you think people are going wrong in their decision making when it comes to picking the right partner? Well, I do think, especially for my millennial fans following, that there's a lot more thinking that goes on as opposed to gut feelings. And not that the thinking is is wrong or bad, because I definitely think that as the generation that has been subjected to the most divorced parents, it has a really profound effect. There is nothing wrong with wanting to think about, do I want to be with this person I'm with for the rest of my life or legally committed to them through marriage? And I, I do think the thoughtfulness of that is a positive one when you're thinking about how would we live together? What would our life look like? What would our finances look like? The exception to that is is man plans and God laughs. So right. <laughs> we can make all the plans we want, but it doesn't really always go that way. And we don't have a crystal ball. I feel that when you're secure in yourself, when you've reached a certain point where you've developed this independence, I feel that when you have reached a certain point in your career and you know where you're headed and you're independent and you can stand on your own two feet, you can protect what you've built for yourself. I have a lot of millennial clients who do prenuptial agreements. You don't okay. have to be a gazillionaire right. or a millionaire to do that because it gives them peace of mind if it doesn't work out. But when you reach that point of knowing you can take care of yourself and stand on your own two feet, I think you need to set aside all that thinking and start going with what you're feeling. Do you feel that that partner, the person you're with, that you've invested time with, spent, you know, it could be a year, two years. I just did a prenuptial for a couple that's been together for nine years. Um, I just feel that you have to go with the feeling. Like, if it doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't, you know, and you can't make something that's not working work because you want it to, you know, and I'm not talking that you have a difference in opinion of like, should we live on the West Coast or the East Coast or go to Europe or should you follow this career path and become a surgeon and I'm going to like take a back seat and do something different. If you have these values that are so different, you can try and learn together and, and come together, but if you don't, it's okay to let go of that relationship. And you know, you know in your heart. Yeah, a lot. Right? Yeah, you're definitely right. Because a lot of times, um, I think we try to make something what it isn't. You try to kind of force it because either you have these expectations or these dreams or this image of what you think like your life is supposed to look like. And sometimes those decisions come out of a fear of, okay, if I let this person go, am I going to have another person that's going to come around? Like, is this my one opportunity to get married and have this ideal life that I've imagined for myself, which can lead to a lot, a lot of rash decisions that people can end up regretting and in your office. <laughs> yeah, and in my office yeah. because I, th I feel that it's better to be alone, which does not mean you are lonely, right? than to be with someone that doesn't truly allow you to be who you are and have real happiness. Yeah. You know, you want to be with a partner that is going to allow you to be who you are. What, you know, when you first meet somebody? Yeah. And there's just this exuberance and this, you know, 
like this high, this euphoria. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that fades and then you settle into something deeper, Mm -hmm. hopefully, right? You go into the next phase. If you find once that euphoric phase is over, that maybe you have a partner that like picks on you Mm. or doesn't support your ideas or isn't what they seemed when you first met, run. Right. Run. Because at the end of the day, if you are not happy, you will not be happy in your relationship. Right. So for me, in my practice, over the years, this developed over many years, I really started helping mostly the stay-at-home parent, which was a woman who gave up everything, had the family, stayed at home, raised the kids, and really felt lost Mm -hmm. and really broken, loss of self-esteem and broken. And would come to my office and I would do um, like a little scenario with them. So here you are in my office and you're not happy, but let's talk about why you're not happy. Because let's not focus on your partner. Let's focus on you. What is it that you're not happy about? And more often than not, you get to, I'm unhappy because I feel I don't have anything from me. Right. I gave it up. So we unpack that and talk about that and try and figure out what will my life look like if I go through with the divorce, not three months from now, but three years from now. And what could I do different? You know, before you like go break up a whole marriage and reorganize your family, why don't you practice on yourself getting happier and figuring out what you need to do for yourself? Right. And more often than not, those clients would take the time and step away and figure out what they needed in their life to be really happy with themselves. And when they figured that out, a lot of them didn't get a divorce because Mm -hmm. they realized it wasn't really about their partner. It was about them. Because you can't change them. You can change you. Right. Right. I mean, we only have control over our own behavior. Exactly. We like to think we control other people, but but we can't. We can definitely work with our partners and show them a different way through our own behavior. And then that's a process and you have to be open to going through that process. And if the two of you are in sync, more often than not, they jump on your bandwagon as you would theirs because you want to keep growing together and evolving. Before you, you know, break up something you've built, you have to really figure out where the unhappiness comes from. I believe in obstacles and challenges. It's how you deal with it. And if you've already been in a relationship, don't fret. You're lovable. Someone else will love you. Right. Maybe more than you could have ever imagined before, but you got to let go of the toxic to let in the beauty and the love. You got you to let go of what doesn't work. And you can't be afraid. Do you think people are... Uh throwing in the towel too easily though are they quitting too quick yeah i think so i think that has a lot to do with social media Mm. i think it has a lot to do with the instant gratification world that we truly now live in right when the computer first came around and the internet first came around you know there wasn't twitter and snapchat and instagram and youtube and and google i mean you know and all these things that People could go on and and look at younger people who are starting out in their life and their careers. They start seeing other people similarly situated to them by age, Mm -hmm. whether they're showing off 
travels or, you know, a relationship they might be in online. It, I think it really takes away from what you have or what you are involved in because somehow you think, wow, their life is better and glitzier right. and why isn't my relationship like that? But, but you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. So, so today, in today's world, if you have a job and a good credit score, you can get a credit card and go out and buy a Chanel bag and, and owe $6,000 to your credit card to show it off to your friends. But now you're in debt. So while you look like you have the life, you really can't afford what you're showing. And what I don't really understand is, why do you think that makes you better? Right. I mean, I think it's it's ego-driven a little bit. But also, I think, like you said, social media really does add a whole different perspective to just relationships in general, not even necessarily romantic ones. Even if you don't want to admit it to yourself, you know, when you open up Instagram, when you open up Twitter, whatever it is, and you see people posting about how great their life is going, oh, I got this new job, I'm engaged. And to someone that maybe has, you know, a little bit of self-doubt or whatever, that can definitely affect how they decide to move within their partnerships, like maybe rushing it because they're like, oh, I feel like everybody's ahead of me and I, I need to get married now because, you know, I don't want to be the last person in my group or whatever to get married, whatever it is. I think that brings up the idea of kind of finding the one. I, I think a lot of relationships struggle or fail because people have this idea of this perfect person for me, that there's this person that's going to fulfill everything that I desire. And when that person doesn't meet those standards, instead of trying to work through it and improve and and make that relationship better. I notice with a lot of people my age, the first thing they do is quit and say, okay, because this person doesn't fulfill this specific area or because we had this conflict, that means it's not going to work. So I'm going to end this and see if I can find something better out there. Kind of like the grass is greener idea, only to find the same problem with the new person. Because wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Right. So the grass may look greener, but when you get there, you're going to find out it's the same exact shade of green unless you work on what it is within yourself that is giving you that shallowness to not commit to what you want to be perfection because you're not perfect either. Mm -hmm. Right. So it takes two people in a relationship. So before you dump that person that's really maybe has the same values as you, um, treats you with respect, makes you laugh, just walk in their shoes. How would you feel if someone dumped you because, you know, your hair was out of place or whatever it is that didn't look good to you on Instagram or they didn't propose to you soon enough? How do you know they're not going to propose to you three months from now and they haven't picked out a ring? But if you're going along in a relationship and, and you're honest with each other, you know, you don't play games with each other, you're respectful with one another. I mean, that's invaluable in today's world. And if you're in a group that somehow makes you feel pressured that you're not doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. find a new group. Exactly. Yeah. Because once you do commit to someone else and you start moving along in your life, maybe you decide to have children, your group's going to change anyway. Mm hmm you're going to have to make new friends. So if the people you're with or surround yourself with don't accept you for who you are, 
then you ought to question who they really are underneath it all. That's not a real friend, and that wouldn't be a real partner. You know, I always feel if you have something beautiful, keep it to yourself. Because I feel like today there's a lot of jealousy out there that we don't didn't know about before social media. You know, um, there's also a lot of people that think that they're like movie stars because there are a lot of people in Hollywood that we know about who don't get married, raise families, and are together. But those two partners come together and they are both so financially secure. Right. There are other reasons they don't come together. If you live in California, you know, you get married, everything you earn, if you don't have a prenup, is shared. I mean, everything. When people are in that kind of world of being famous, it's easier not to tie the legal knot. And it's also easier to walk away. Right. Right? But they're both so financially secure. And I also feel like, you know, we watch a lot of reality TV. Yeah. Because it's entertaining. Mm -hmm but it's entertainment and it's a job. Like I don't want my life to be that entertaining. <laughs> right. And it's, a, and it's a job. You know, people are walking around with cameras on themselves, you know, people get lost in that, you know, and they think that, well, you know, I'm going to be like that and I'm going to meet that kind of person. Well, you're going to meet who you meet, who you allow into your life and you're going to attract what you put out there. Right. If it's about, you know, driving in a fancy car and, you know, because I, I find there's a lot of this and having, you know, designer labels, you might be attracting somebody that that's what they care about, too. And then maybe they don't really care about the depth underneath it all. Yeah. So how do we how do we kind of shift from picking the perfect person to actually finding a compatible partner? What are the things that you advise people? I think that. If you stick with what you love, whether, you know, it's reading or being outdoors, whatever the activities are, and, and go with a friend, you know, you'll find if you keep repeatedly doing that, you will meet people that are like you. You know, maybe you like to read the paper in the morning or, you know, maybe you get up and you meditate in the morning. That's how you find your perfection. You find someone who shares the same interests as you. Maybe you want to have five kids and three dogs and live on a farm. You know, if you marry someone that only wants to travel the world and live in a city, then you're not going to have that kind of compatibility. That, that brings up a good point because um, you mentioned finding someone with a lot of similar values, similar likes, dislikes, etc. And a lot of times you hear people saying opposites attract which is actually really terrible advice because those relationships usually don't end up working long term because in order to make something work, you have to be on the same page usually. And I think a lot of younger people are excited by the fact that someone is so different from them, but it's not really like a solid foundation to build a legitimate relationship on. What's your take on that? I think differences are great because it allows you to learn new things mm -hmm. from someone else. But I also feel that the differences can't be so varied when it comes to certain values. For example, let's say you were raised in a religious household and you are, maybe you love your religion, you know, I'm using this as an example, and you meet someone who resents that, not you, but resents that because whatever their background, that is going to be a very tough 
sticking point to get around and navigate through and may not really be worth your while. That doesn't mean you can't have a friend. So I feel like those kind of differences could really hinder a relationship. If you've always dreamt of, you know, getting married and, you know, having a family and you meet someone who's really against that, Mm -hmm. they, whatever their reasons, again, that could be something you can't work around. If you're with someone that although they've had different experiences than you, but are open to the conversation, that's a green light. That's like, okay, I haven't made up my mind and I'm not, I'm not one way or the other. Right. So I feel like your differences can become aligned if you're both open when you meet. You know, it's only, you know, if you meet people that they're just so different that it's exciting, but it'll inevitably like, you know, explode right? because someone's always going to have to give if they're both really stubborn partners, you know, so sometimes opposites attract and it can work out as long as the differences I feel like are not at the core of your values. You brought up prenups a couple times and I think that's an interesting topic because I've heard so many mixed feelings about it Um, some say getting a prenup is insinuating that you'll get a divorce or that divorce is even on the table as an option and others say it's just a way to protect myself because I have no way of telling the future so based on your experience what are your thoughts on that and do you think prenups are something people should consider getting Depending on your circumstance. So I've done several, I mean, I've done lots of them, but I did several prenups where um, one partner was super successful or was in a family business and the other partner really didn't care. They were like, okay, whatever. I'm marrying you. You want a prenup? I'm signing on the dotted line. Yeah. Prenups can set aside the doubt of what you brought to the table. So people have this misconception. When you do a prenuptial, it's not about what you're going to do with what goes on when you get married. You're not setting up your marriage. When you get married, depending on where you live and how you keep your finances, you're going to build a life together, a complete life. And if you've both had, let's say, separate finances, because it's all about finances, the prenup. So let's say you've had separate finances, you're both successful in your careers, you make, might make a decision to do a prenuptial that allows for both of you to walk away with what you came in with. Sometimes people set up prenuptials that also keeps their finances separate, which means you have to keep them separate during the marriage too, except for joint expenses. You know, I often have couples set up one joint account for their home, their food, their vacations, and they contribute however they want to contribute to it, but they keep their separate accounts. I feel that people are more likely to feel relaxed and committed in their relationship because they don't have to worry about what they struggled so hard to achieve. Okay. From that perspective of the prenup, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it could be a positive thing because I feel like so many people like from 25 to 30 something have worked so hard to get where they are that because divorce has become popular, right? It's become more popular than marriage. 
that it's a good way to have some peace of mind to know that if we don't make it, at least we all, we can walk away with our heads held high and know we both can take care of ourselves. Right. It's unrealistic to think that a marriage is not that type of partnership. Right. And that's what I think for the unmarrieds, you have to wrap your head around. I mean, yes. Do we see fairy tale weddings on television? We do. But they don't last. They're fairy tales. The reality of life is, is, you know, life costs money, right? You have to pay for a roof over your head, health, you know, food. And how are you going to do that as a married couple? Of course, you want to build together. Two people building together can have more. Right. But I, I feel that if you think a marriage is not a financial partnership, you need to think again. There's nothing wrong with that. Money is not a bad subject. It shouldn't be taboo in a relationship. That's how you get where you want to go. You know, how do you make those choices? Where do we live? Do we live by the beach? Do we live in the mountains? Do we have a condo? Do we have a home? Do we rent? Do we buy? Do we take that luxury vacation? Do we need that fancy car? What's more important to you? Zeros in the bank? There's there's a book. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. You know, the person driving the Toyota Camry might have $10 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. The person driving the Mercedes might have 500000 More often than not, people who came into my office, more often than not, like 9 out of 10, come in and they're, you know fabulous clothes and bags and jewelry and didn't have the ability to write a retainer check. They were living that life. So maybe they were promised this fairy tale life and then they ended up like in the 1950s, you know, in a house with a white picket fence, which is no longer the picket fence. It's now the, you know, stone wall and they drive the Escalade, but yet they can't even afford it. Right. They don't even realize that the credit cards they have, they're just an authorized user. Mm. They don't even have their own credit. You know? So so the car they're driving is leased by their spouse. And hopefully they're not on the mortgage if that's the case. So partnerships, marriages, relationships, they do intersect with your finances because we will need money to live. Yeah. I, I don't think that that younger people or unmarried people should be afraid of a prenup. It does not define your marriage and divorce is only on the table if you want to get a divorce. Right. No, that's a really valid point. You talked a little bit about the people that, you know, come in and out of your office. So from the clients that you've had during your career, what's the single most common thing or reason people give you for wanting to get a divorce? I really feel the single most thing is they feel trapped. Okay and disconnected from their partner and maybe disrespected. And a lot of times that leads to infidelities by one or both partners, which, listen up, folks, an infidelity is a symptom. It is not the reason. If you're not constantly being taking self-inventory as to how you are behaving in your relationship, there's such fear of communication with the one we love, that we turn outside the relationship. And that's a huge mistake because you don't know what you're getting involved in. You don't know who you're meeting and you don't know what that other person outside your relationship is all about. And it's always, it's going to always blow up in your face one way or another. I feel the number one reason is like feeling of 
self-worthlessness is what leads to divorce and and the relationship has gone so far apart right because communication has broken down in so many ways that unless you can corral your partner and whether it's therapy, self-help, whatever it is, and come back together and be totally honest with each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe not tell things that might hurt your other partner, but really come back to living an honest mm -hmm. way of being together. That's what leads to divorce. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a deep down unhappiness with your life where it is. And, you know, a lot of people tolerate being unhappy because they might have kids or they don't want to be alone. Or they can't figure out how they're going to survive. I mean, they don't even have the passwords to the accounts. Do you know how much your mortgage is? Things like that. So I think people stay for the wrong reasons also. But I don't blame a person who has given up what they've had to maybe help the other person succeed or build a family. I don't blame them for being fearful. But what are you going to do about it? Because inaction is also unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Do you think that growing apart comes from almost being too comfortable like once you get married and you get settled down people maybe stop putting in the same level of effort that they did when they were first together so there's a lack of maintenance with the relationship i i do i think that um you forget what brought you together was you know intrigue mystery right. excitement so when you get married um and i'm not talking about when it's just two of you because when it's just two of you, I find it hard to drift apart because you're always on an adventure. You don't have responsibility to anybody else, right? If it's just you and your partner, wow, let's pick up. We can travel. We, we can make romance all the time. We can figure it out, no matter what our work schedules are, right? It's when you have kids. I feel like that's like a dividing line. Like that really can, I feel that you have to remember that date night is really essential. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say you both have, whether it's busy careers and family, you have to be committed to keeping that spark alive and just being the two of you. Right. That means no texting, no looking at social media, just the two of you. Do not go out with your friends. You don't need to go out on a Friday night with other couples. I'm not saying never do that. Right. But you have to start with your partner first. And use your imagination. Because once you have kids at home, I don't care how big your house is. <laughs> you need that couple privacy time. If your partner loves music, then devote a night to going to your favorite place to listen to music. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is that rocks both your worlds, that like gets you out there and connecting the two of you. If you love comedy shows, movies, it's so important to keep that element alive because I also feel that usually one partner more than the other might be seeking that kind of thrill. You can keep that love alive, that romance alive, and, and the depths of your relationship growing mm -hmm. by being that spontaneous or having that special time that they really relish. Yeah. And then they're more likely to see that that outside influence is just that. And they're pretty grateful for what they got. I, I think most people are. I mean, I always say you have to work with what you got, not what you don't. Right. And I mean, that brings up a good point, too. I think with 
any area of our lives that we really want to work and that that we love, you prioritize it. You're going to put effort in to make it last, to make it work. Same way you would with your career, the same level of effort should go into your relationships, your friendships, whatever it is. So, I mean, that drifting apart, even, I mean, not even as far as being married, but even in in relationships prior to, to being married, it all comes down to your level of effort and how much maintenance you're willing to put in to actually make something work if you really care about it. Well, what about friendships? I mean, yeah, we're exactly. so much more liberal with our friends, yeah. aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, we allow our friends like, you know, oh, they didn't call us right back. We don't get upset. They didn't text us in 60 seconds. <laughs> you know, we know they're busy. Yeah. We, they have lives. But when it comes to our partners, oh, my gosh, we get It's like, over. Crazy. Like, if you don't respond to me in two seconds, it's over. I'm sorry. It's over. <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. But that's, you're right. But that's such an unrealistic expectation. Like, yeah. If you hold people, you know, and this is something you learn through life. I mean, I had to learn this too, you know, I'm a certain way. If I think, someone once said to me, a very good friend of mine, what makes you think people are like you? And I was like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? She's like, no, no. She's like, you're thoughtful. You're kind. You you treat people a certain way. But what makes you think everyone else is like you? I was like, oh, hello. Right. You have to learn who people are, what they're about. My husband and I, you know, we've been not only married, it'll be 25 years this year. And we did meet and get married in four months, which is unusual. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, we were married from the day we met, essentially. And we've been working together for 20 years. Okay. Okay. Do you, th- I don't, I don't call him in the middle of the day. I don't want to call him in the middle of the day. If I'm calling him, it's probably not good news. (laughs) Well, it's either really, really good news or really bad news. And I definitely don't want to hear from him in the middle of the day because it's probably something like not good. But I do know people that like their phone is constantly ringing Mm -hmm. from the stay-at-home spouse. Like, don't be so insecure. Let your spouse work. Let them work. Don't be so needy. Don't project your insecurities on someone else. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be so needy. Right. Where do you think they are? They're in their office. They're working. They're providing yeah. their life. Yeah. Right? So I just think that if we treat our spouses and our partners more like we treat our besties, mm, okay, then we probably would have a healthier relationship with them because you're always honest with your bestie, aren't you? Right? And- your partner is human, like you. <laughs> right. Speaking of your marriage as well, in your book, you mentioned that although you work in the world of matrimonial law as a divorce lawyer and have seen kind of the really dark and greedy and negative sides of people, you still believe in love and the potential of marriage, which I think is really beautiful, honestly. So Having been in a long-term relationship yourself, what would you say are things that really make a healthy marriage last? Respecting each other, I think, is number one. Mm -hmm. Understanding that you are truly given one life to live, and so is your partner. And there are things that you, I, would want to do and accomplish, and there will be things your partner will want to do and accomplish. And if you take that away from somebody, they may not want to be with you. There might be some corner of the world that they want to see. You know, when you hit a certain age and you have less of life in front of you than behind you, you have to acknowledge that there are going to be things that your partner may want to do that you will not do with them. And that is okay. 
we talked a little bit about, I said, my husband cycles, which means there are, you know, he likes, people are like golf widows or widowers, you know, you hear about people going out to golf. So my spouse goes out and he cycles for hours and, um, and it never bothers me. And he asked me about it recently. I said, well, don't you understand you're doing something you love that makes you feel great about you. It's also healthy for you. But when you come home, you're so much better for me to be with. Right. Because that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. You value the person you're with and who they grow into being. And you're with them all the way. You don't have to always agree with them. But I also realized by standing back and allowing him to be who he is and he allows me to be who I am, mm-hmm. it's like it, it's refreshing over and over because we're we're getting older we're learning more about each other. We always find that we're on the same page. Even if it takes us a while to get there, we always land on the same page. And I think that goes back to having the same values Mm -hmm. or feeling the same about the big pieces of life. Long-term relationships, you grow together and sometimes you're, you're just standing still together and then the next phase comes, whatever, whatever that is. And I feel it's how you choose to deal with it and how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. That's you a know? big one. Yeah. Um, you may not agree with what your partner does, but you don't have to tell them they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You could just say, well, let's talk more about that. And how do you feel about that? And why do you feel that way? And let it settle and resonate. And then maybe you can offer a suggestion, maybe not all in the same setting. Um, It's a give and a take. It's an ebb and a flow. Don't confuse a comfortable routine with a rut. Right. So maybe Friday nights are for you and your partner. And maybe Saturday nights you go out with someone in your, you know, friendship zone or whatever it is. Maybe Sundays are reserved just for family. It's not a rut. It's what we do together. We love it. In my book, I talk about the little things. So um, way, way, way back when, when we were living in New York City together and going to work, I used to go earlier. And um, if we went at the same time, I would always make the bed. And I talk about this in the book, right? It's the little things. And Joe said to me, why do you do that? I said, because I don't like to come home to an unmade bed. So all of a sudden, um, he started making the bed. We're going on 25 years of him making the bed. Now, am I going to say that he makes it perfect? (laughs) No. Yeah. And I don't care. Let it go. It's the thought. Right. The fact that he knew it meant something to me, that he does that. He makes the coffee every night so that when I get up early in the morning, it's ready. If he hears that I'm unloading the dishwasher... He comes downstairs and helps. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a relationship. Right. Thoughtfulness, yeah. Thoughtfulness, caring, understanding. I tell young people, travel. Do all the things that you think you want to do if you're planning on having a family. Mm-hmm. Married or unmarried. Do all those things together. But once you settle down, don't be afraid of a Netflix night. Maybe Thursday night's Netflix. I don't know. 
know, <laughs> maybe you like to watch the news together. Maybe it's house hunters. Don't be afraid of that. That's take comfort in the fact that you can do that. But I think that's really important to successful relationship is being who you are and being together. I love that. I feel like you had so many good points in that explanation there. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your insight. Um, This was really a great conversation and I've learned so much from you. So I really appreciate you sharing your time with us and giving us a little bit of what you know. So before we go, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know where they can find and connect with you? You can find me on my website at askleslythelawyer.com. You can find my book on Amazon. It's called The Cults of the Black Card. So it's Leslie Montanil. I would love to hear from your listeners if they purchase the book and want to read it. Send me an email. Let me know what you think. Um, Or just visit the site. Lots and lots of information there, you know, and advice, lots of articles, lots of things to think about in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's all there for the taking and uh, it's been wonderful to be your guest. Well, thank you so much. And I'll definitely be including all of her links in the description for anyone wanting to get in touch with Leslie as well. So that is it for this week's episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And be sure to come follow me on all social media platforms at the username Meaningful Riches Podcast. And check back here once a week as I put out new episodes. There's so much around us to be thankful for and find true value and wealth in. I hope that these conversations will empower you to take bold action and add personal value so you can attain and live a life filled with meaningful riches. I'll see you guys next week.